What's up, folks? Welcome to another week to Live Life Aggressively show. Mike Marler on one side, Sincere's on the other. That's me. I'm speaking in third person like I'm The Rock. My Sincere's on the other side. You always got to worry about people yeah. speaking third person. Been, like been watching too many. You've been watching too many Farrakhan lectures. I remember the first time I saw Farrakhan. I saw Farrakhan in an interview. He's like, Farrakhan didn't do that. You widened up religion. Farrakhan didn't do that. I go, who's he talking about? Does he have a brother? Is he talking about one of his relatives? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it's always hilarious to me when people speak in third person. Like, what the hell's wrong with you, man? <laughs> oh, man. there was back in the day when Sean and Bill Phillips did that Body for Life documentary. And this was probably one of the first reality TV type fitness things that predates the internet. And there was a guy in there, one of the contestants. I forget his name, but he kept on talking about him. He kept on talking in the third person. He goes, Ralph doesn't believe in being lazy. Ralph works hard. You know, Ralph needs to get his protein shake in the morning, and then Ralph's going to crush it. You know? <laughs> I was like, like, Ralph needs some psychological help is what I could do. Exactly. <laughs> oh, like, Ralph needs some carbs. It looks like your brain's a little malfunctioning right now. <laughs> Ralph's been taking too many myoplexes. I don't know what's in these exactly. things. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <clears throat> Ralph needs to get off the HMB. It's, it's giving you delusions of grandeur here. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, man. So, uh, got a great guest on today, man. It's been a minute since we talked to him. Actually, it's been a, a couple of years, but one thing about yeah, it, it's not like he's just sitting idle the whole time. This dude stays busy. He's always into yeah. something, man, especially in the strength game. So, it's, it's a real pleasure, like, for me. I know Mike's not on Instagram, but, you know, I, I'm on Instagram, and it's real cool to see and just follow along and see what our guest is doing when I'm seeing his post. Because here's a dude known to some people in the aspect of the strength world for a certain thing, and then another then another aspect for another thing, and then another group of people known for this other thing. But, you know, just sit there, and because we know him personally, just to see, and see how he meshes all these things together intelligently. You know, it's, it's a thing like behold. And it's kind of like where so many people... It, when it comes to strength training, it's what they, I can't say they aspire to do. They do it on accident and they do it wrong. <laughs> Whereas, you know, with our guest today, he does it on purpose and he's very intelligent about doing it. So for people that kind of like, you know, you want to go into, let's just say you want to go into a bodybuilding way of training, then you want to go into a powerlifting way of training, go into an endurance way of training. And, you know, because you can't let some of those things go because different aspects of your life in the, in the strength game throughout your life, you know, you've been in all those different areas. And you can't quite let them go. So you still want to find a way to still make them, you know, a part of your life. I say, you know, to check out, I guess, today and the things that he's doing. And, and like I said, he does it very smart. He doesn't try to do it all at one time and, and put yourself in a, in a bad situation, which so many people do because they can't let go of some of these things. They want to do a bodybuilding routine. And then two weeks later, they want to do a powerlifting routine. And then they want to do a strongman routine. And then, then they want like, okay, none of this stuff is working. I don't understand why. Well, <laughs> the thing is, you got this big pot of gumbo of strength training, and it's not working out for you. So, yeah, it's definitely the guy to go to, man, and really understand how to make all these things work and make it work for you. Yeah, yeah let's talk to him. And then real, real quick, I just have a little promotion I, I want to give out to our listeners to get more reviews Wait. on Stitcher and iTunes. What I'm doing right now is I want to see 20 people put up reviews. I don't care if it's on iTunes or Stitcher. Put up a review where you tell us why you like the show. Name off three guests, your three favorite episodes. So I want to see a few sentences here. Don't just say great show, five stars. I want to see some real data here. 
what I'm going to do is take a screenshot, send me your address. I'm going to send you a free copy of one of my videos, which is Mastering the Power Exercises with Mark Bellopi. And this is a great DVD that goes through all the great exercises you should be doing with the barbell in the gym. So you're going to get a free copy of that. Put the review up. I want to see our reviews get over 300 on iTunes. Obviously, I'm not going to give away 300 copies you know, of the video. <laughs> so it's just the next right. 20 people who put up a review and send me a screenshot. We'll hook you up with that. Also, use that coupon code LLA. Go get 10% off everything you see at MikeMahler.com. You can get there by you can get there via AggressiveStrength.com as well, and then also on your site as well, right? NewWarriorTraining.com. You can exactly. use that same coupon code. Yep. Exactly. So yeah, if you don't want to do all that, yeah. you can always fuck off. You can always fuck off. That's another option. For, for free. For free. <laughs> you don't even have to use the coupon code for that. You get a hundred percent off. <laughs> That's always an option. <laughs> three ninety nine, just for you. <laughs> yes. Yeah, all right. Let's talk job. to. Uh, yeah, yeah. Let's talk to Andrew, man. Andrew actually lives in where I went to college. I, I have a degree from the College of Worcester, so he's out there. He's got a great strength training facility. And Andrew, you're you're really good at a lot of things. You're good at heavyweight training. You're good at kettlebell sport. And now you're doing some serious endurance work. You're doing these ultra marathons. How did how did this whole thing come about? What inspired you to go this route? Yeah, the uh, the, the transition into the uh, the ultra endurance world uh, really came from my my younger brother. He was uh, partaking in some Ironman triathlons. Uh, I helped. Uh, you know, going and cheering him on at his first at Ironman Louisville, I want to say 2013, I think it was. And probably one of the most, you know, I'd always seen the Ironman on television when it's on like once a year, uh, I think around Christmas time, and they've got the Ironman Kona. And it was impressive to watch the one-hour show. But then when you actually go to an event and, you, and you're there for 15 hours and you're realizing – that, you know, all right, he just swam 2.4 miles, got out of the water, immediately jumped on his bike, rode 112 miles, got off his bike, and then ran a marathon. And you're just watching him go through this whole process. It was inspiring. So yeah. two years later, he went out, and, and he lives in Denver, Colorado. So, again, when he did his second Ironman in, uh, in Boulder, I went out again, told him, I was like, listen, man, if you're going to do an Ironman, I will be there for you just to have somebody there to cheer you on, help you through this. And again, it was just crazy inspiring. And when he got done with that second one, he's like, all right, the next one I want to do with you. And my first thought was, oh, shit. I got to get in shape. (laughs) You know, at the time, I was, yeah, I was strong. You know, I had deadlifted 600 pounds numerous occasions. You know, squatting close to 500, I was, you know, doing playing around the amateur strongman. I competed at the Arnold Classic with the Mighty Mitts up on the main stage against the likes of Mark Felix and uh, Mike Burke and Ode Hagen. You know, some of just the biggest names in the strength industry. Um, And so I was really good at an event that lasted 60 to 90 seconds. Um, and had at most five to ten repetitions at a time. And now I'm I'm looking at, you know, I'm being asked to participate in an event that 
you know, is going to take upwards of 17 hours of continuous motion. That was intimidating, but also inspiring and going, all right, let's do this. Yeah. Uh, and, and so I started, you really, the, the, the big fear was that first time I went out for a run and I was like, oh yeah, you know, I played lacrosse in, in college, you know, I can run. And I went and I ran to the stop sign and back, which was about a mile out <laughs> here because, yeah. you know, we, we have country miles. Uh, right. so it was, it was a mile out and back. I was running maybe 11 minute pace. I had a heart rate monitor on. I had, I think my heart rate spiked out at like 184. And I'm going, I am not running fast enough to have that high of a heart rate. And so began the journey, uh, to my first Ironman, which I, I just completed this past summer out in Boulder, Colorado, um, which was pretty awesome. And I'll definitely do it again. Now, now Iron Man is swimming, running, and biking, right? Yeah, it's a swim, bike, and run. You know, 140.6 miles total, mm. all completed mm. under 17 hours nonstop. Uh, wow. And I must say, it was the quickest 15. I, I finished just under 15 hours, and I'll say it was the fastest 15-hour day I think I've ever taken part in. Because uh, <laughs> just, you know, we we were up for a total of 24 hours between. Waking up in Denver, driving the 45 minutes to Boulder, you know, getting all situated before the race even started, and then uh, finished the race. And since it was just my brother and I, we didn't have any other family out there with us. We had to, you know, finish the race. We had to drive ourselves the 45 minutes back to this place in the in Denver. And I was like, damn, I'm gonna fall. I was like, I'm gonna finish this damn race, and I'm gonna fall asleep at the wheel. You know, <laughs> drive driving home at two in the morning to get back home. So I was like, that would have sucked, but <laughs> got up and did it, and uh, you know, it keeps on going. What What are you thinking yeah, about? I'm curious. What are you What are you thinking about when you're doing something like this, right? I mean, you just let's say you just started this. What's the first thing you do, right? You start running. I mean, what's going yes. through your mind when you're thinking for the next 15 hours straight, I'm exercising, I'm training. Yeah, it's um, my. For, for the Ironman, you, since you have the three events, what, my main thing was smooth, set, smooth and steady. That's all I kept telling myself: smooth and steady, and just keep moving forward. Um, you know, and, and that is, you know, in, endurance is, is is you know the epitome of the mental demons getting in your own way, uh, because you've got you know in 15 hours you got a lot of time to have a hmm. lot of different emotions to convince yourself to to continue, and also you can convince yourself that this isn't worth it. Um, and so you truly do go through every emotion in a, you know, 24-hour span uh, of time. You know, there's times where you, you feel great, and you're like, all right, I'm on top of the world, I'm doing well. And there's other times where you're like, everything is wrong, this sucks, and you just want to stop, and you just have to tell yourself, all right, just keep going. Go another mile. Go one more mile. See what it feels like. Go five more minutes and see what it feels like. Uh, hopefully, those emotions will change over time, uh, and they do. And so you have to sort of embrace the suck a lot of times, and just uh, and keep moving forward, and just go. You know, and that's 
I, I get into I, I talk to a lot of people here at the gym that are getting into the endurance porch and and I have to tell them I was like you got to leave your emotion I was like we're we're a very emotional society right now and everybody wants to have feelings about everything and everybody feels like those feelings are valid and I go listen in the endurance game feelings don't matter because you just have to keep moving I don't care if you're happy I don't care if you're sad. All I care is that you perform and move, and that's ultimately what I find, and I think that's what I enjoy the most is that you 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 just you try to re- remove yourself uh, emotionally from what it is that you're doing because rational thought would tell you to stop. I think probably every single time. <laughs> right. Yeah, you got to keep in mind, man. In, in the time that you're running this race, in those 15 hours, most people are sitting around binging on Stranger Things season two. <laughs> you know, at the exact same time, yeah. and for the exact same time that you're doing this race, man, they're going through all types of emotions, just watching, binge watching a TV show, and then when it's over, you know, they're emotional about that. So, yeah, you're asking a lot in this society today. <laughs> yeah, comes, and you know, like the general it, emotion. <laughs> it's it's uh, yeah, it's uh, I I very much see that, and that's where you know I tell people, I was like, hey. We, we need to get more people just out in, in doing yeah. and being active uh, and, and find something. And obviously, you know, I've taken it to the extreme uh, with the ultra endurance event, events. But I find, you know, just being a student of physical culture for so many years, I that is so interesting to me is to 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 research and then to explore myself personally mm-hmm. what it's like to to go through these discomforts I guess you could you could call it but you know others would be like testing the limits of endurance and it's like you know I that's exciting to get out there and talk to other athletes um, that's why you know getting on on these calls and talking with you guys on these podcasts and and just going all right what else is out there that can be explored that the human body can withstand and then keep moving forward. And yeah. you know, that's, you know, it's, it's where, where is that limit? And I don't, you know, that, that's just, that's a fun exploration to find that limit, whether it's absolute strength, strength, endurance, or just pure endurance, you know, where is that? That's, that's fun to me. That's what other people, it just looks like pain and suffering, but that's <laughs> enjoyment. you know, that, that's, 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 that's that's what I enjoy. So, well, you learn you learn so much about yourself, right? When you're doing stuff like this, you you learn how to break through your own preconceived notions of yourself and your abilities. And also, it's probably a nice break for you, given that you are so focused on heavy weightlifting, lower repetitions, and that's a lot of wear and tear on your body. You get burned out, you get tired of that, you can start losing motivation. Also, when you when you reach the levels of strength that someone like you has, there may not be that much motivation to take it further than you already have and then here you pivot into something else which is totally different you're not good at it at the beginning that's probably exciting for you now you want to see how far you can go in another arena absolutely no that is that is very true i mean when when you get to a point where you're you're standing on stage next to like i said literally you know mike burke was first place i'm second place and i got mark field yeah. third place Ode hagan's fourth and I'm sitting here going, all right, I mean, I at the time I was 6'4", 242, and I'm looking to my left and my right, and the next smallest guy is 350. 
<laughs> and you, I mean, I, I do. I look like an eight-year-old next to some of these guys. <laughs> massive amounts uh, of just of just human performance on the strength side of things. And you go, all right, I have, you know, reached a very high level. My ability to uh, perform in, uh, you know, under under the standards that I put forth for myself uh, in a natural environment where I'm going, hey, where else can I go if I go to local meets? You know, yeah, I was showing up. I could win a local meet just showing up, not half half ass training it. It's not, you know, I can collect ribbons and awards. That's great, but that's that's not fun to me. I was, yeah. you know, I, I wanted to go up against the best. I was I was traveling the country and the world to compete against the best, finishing top, you know, in the top three uh, routinely. That was great. And then when the opportunity for my brother came about, said, "Hey, let's do something else." I was like, "You know what? Yeah, it's time. I'm not getting any younger." And let's do this and have some fun with it and see where it goes. So mm-hmm. now it's uh, I've, I've done one full Ironman. I'll next year looking to do a, a 50 mile uh, ultra ultra uh, trail race, and that'll be up in uh, in Leadville, Colorado. I'll do the, the, the Silver Rush 50. So not and uh, actually doing a, a trail marathon this this coming weekend as well. So. It's um, it's it's interesting, but I still lift. I still squat. I'm not nearly as strong as I was. I was just talking to you beforehand. Yeah, you know, it's helpful to get under the squat bar, squat 350, when you know that number used to be 450. Uh, right. You know, right. it's humbling mm-hmm. to, to deadlift 500 pounds when I'm like, man, I used to do 500 for 15. It's <laughs> yeah. You know, so it's it, it, it's humbling. You know, I, and I you know I'm back to normal people numbers. Um, and, and so it's like, all right, yeah, I always tell people, like, I, you know, it's eerie to come home and have, it's like, man, I feel human. And I'm not used to that. <laughs> How, are, is, are you just trying to maintain those numbers? How do you balance? Obviously, the focus yeah, the, is yeah, the balance stuff the, right the now. The endurance and the strength um, has, yeah. has really, you know, and it's, I do, I go back to the science of it all, and it's like you got to balance the the volume and intensity. Um and so I ultimately feel that I can do the ultra endurance events and and basically be a, a three four five guy. I can bench basically bench three fifteen, squat four oh five, and deadlift five hundred. Yeah, that yeah feels very reasonable. Um, I'd be I'd be very happy with those numbers and being able yeah. to be like, okay, I could hit those numbers any given day. And I can go out and run a marathon tomorrow if I needed to. Yeah, um, that's cool. Those are those are good numbers too. And then yeah, I think it's really, really impressive when you can do that and you have all this endurance. The combination of all these different yeah, skills I think is so, really interesting. Yep, and that's that's very much where I'm at. Is I'm going. All right, I I feel you know I can be happy with those and like you said, have that ultra endurance to any give you know just that I'm ready. You know, somebody calls me up and says, "Hey, let's go do this." I can go and do that, and I'm, I'm going to participate very well um, at a solid level, uh, regardless. So um, it's, it's been a lot of fun in that sense. So um, there's a- you must be tired, though. I mean, how do you 
even have the energy to want to lift weights when you're doing so much endurance training? Are you just doing a couple sets here and there at your gym? Is, is there any yeah, kind of program um, you're following? I, I follow yeah, my my training log is is actually online. Uh, I've got an, an, an old uh, optraining.blogspot.com. Um, and it's, it's got my training log. There's a link to it on my website, uh, dernyantstrength.com. And, and you could follow along. I mean, anything I do in the day, I post up there. And recently, what you'll, you'll see is I, because some of my goals for this year was to get back to doing uh, 80 reps, long cycle, in uh, kettlebell sport with the 24 kg bells. Um, so I've been, now that I've, I'm through the Ironman, I can lay off some of the volume swim, bike, run wise. Um, I've replaced that with some kettlebell sport volume, which I felt complimented. That's a good transition. Endurance. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, you know, you know, the kettle, kettlebell sport is just the quintessential strength endurance. Um, right. and as I continue to, to dabble in both strength and the endurance realms of, of the power lifts with the barbell and then doing the swim, bike, run, endurance type events, kettlebell sport is like the perfect match I found, you know, and it's, it's, it's kind of neat to come full circle with that. Um, having, you know, partake, partook in the uh, kettlebell sport world, uh, from 2006, 2007, all the way through, I think 2011 uh, was some of my last comps in, in that realm. Yes, last time we saw each other. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, don't yeah think, I think it was my last competition, and I, and I think you were coming back from an injury at that yeah. one. I think you had an elbow issue or something like that, and I think you were lifting the. I think you had the, you were lifting the 24s, I believe, at that competition as well. Yeah, and so it, <laughs> yeah, it's been back. fun to get back into it, and it it complement. I, I like so I, I found it to be a very good complement. For both, um, you know, right now I'm not deadlifting because I feel the the the, the cleans and, and doing snatches and swings with the kettlebells is maintaining my posterior chain a good bit. I still squat off of a five three one Wendler program uh, to keep the volume on my lower body low, but keep the intensity high for the lifts. Because most evenings I'm running or biking or swimming in the evenings. I'll do my lifts earlier in the day. Um, and so the structure is, is the, the heavy strength lifts early in the day, the, the slower endurance work um, and longer endurance work later in the evenings uh, as a structure, which, yeah, eats up a good amount of time. You know, I mean, when I was training for the Ironman, you know, a three-hour training, you know, endurance session after work was pretty standard, and then you'd have six, seven hours on the weekend. Uh, yeah. And you do that five, six days a week. And it was, you know, so looking back on it, I'm like, yeah, it was, it was like having a second full-time job practically just in training volume uh, <laughs> building up to that Ironman distance. Now, what is what is eating like now, Andrew, when you're training for this? Like, how much has that changed? <laughs> well, I mean, like, <laughs> I'm pretty sure you're probably going to, like, a churrasco or a buffet. Bottom list pit top. <laughs> yeah, I mean, exactly. and it's true. I mean, you know, when, when training for the Ironman, it's like I almost couldn't eat. You know, it's like I could, I could eat anything and everything. Uh, now, at the same time, I did restrict some calories, but you got to understand when I was 245 and being a strong man, it took, a, you know, it took a lot for me to maintain body weight. I think my resting metabolism, you know, 
a lot of people are looking at that 2,000 calories for their day. You know, resting, you know, I was 3,500 just to maintain body weight in a day at, at 245. And so I was just like, you know, I go to Chipotle and, you know, I'll eat two, three burritos. That's easy. You know, <laughs> sit down with a large pizza, that's one serving. Like, just pounding food in. So when I cut back a little bit, I'm now down to 215 for the endurance events. But, you know, I still eat more than, you know, people still look at me, sit down and eat, and they're like, what the hell are you doing with that? I'm like, dude, I got to go run eight miles after this. Like, calm down. <laughs> I, you, know, you know, food is fuel. And I can't. Well, a lot, a lot of people eat like you. They just don't do the training. They don't do the eating part. They don't do what goes afterwards. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, and, it's, and, it's, and it's a balance. And so people are like, oh, man, you can eat whatever you want. I'm like, well, you know, yes and no. I was like, and, you know, then you get the, oh, you have it so easy. I'm like, yeah, come to my training session and I'll show you how easy <laughs> it is. And, and you can tell me, just you can, you can see just, just how much fun we have. Uh, you know, and then it's like this past weekend. What'd you do for the weekend? Oh, I had a 24-hour trail race. Okay, I don't <laughs> that. Like, like, I sat outside and you know, I I watched it rain and ate and ate potatoes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was running in that weather. So, do you do you do anything awesome. special for recovery? Are you getting massages or going to the um, spa? I'm doing a massage every other week. Yes, I have a massage therapy. Um, a lot yeah. of Stretching, foam rolling is one, right. you know, again, you know, 39 years of age, you know, I'm not 20. I can't just jump out of bed and and start sprinting anymore. Um, <laughs> and so the stretching, I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, 45 minutes a day, get down on the floor and stretch. And if I don't do that, I can tell. it. it you yeah. know, the body will let you know that you're not taking care of it in that way. But if I'm pliable, if I'm subtle, guess what? I can do I can do some great things, and I can do those great things day in, day out, with, and, and be relatively pain-free, uh, which is nice. The cryos. I don't know if there's a cryosauna out where you are, but that, that would help you a lot, I would imagine. The cryosaunas yeah. where you, you get into – I don't know if you've ever done it before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The wintertime. Yeah. Oh, no, in, in Worcester, yeah, you just roll on the snow after each workout. <laughs> yeah, just jump on top. Yeah, so, <laughs> go uh, find, yeah, find, find, find a mountain stream and, and jump in. Uh, yeah. yeah, the natural cryosauna option there. Yeah, in the wintertime, I will use the, the – so, I, I, I have a hot sauna that I'll uh -huh. use uh, throughout the winter, but um, – you know, I, I, you know, having an ice bath would be, you know, it'd be great to have, yeah, like basically an ice, ice uh, whirlpool and, and a and a sauna right next to each other. Right. To, to right. A little bit of. Uh, of they have that in Europe quite. A, they have that in Europe quite a bit. They have the plunge, the cold water plunge, which is super yep. cold. Oh yeah. In the hot tub right next to it, and then when you jump in, when you do the cold water plunge after being in a hot tub for 20 minutes, the sensation is even more pronounced. So, I mean, you're, yeah. you're ready to die when you jump. You have, to, you have to just jump in. I see people just putting their foot in there to test the water. I go, no, 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 that's not going to work. <laughs> just jump in. Don't even think about it. Just jump right <laughs> in. It. That's why it's a plunge. <laughs> you're never going to yeah. get in there. Just stick your toe in there. <laughs> no, no, yeah, you, yeah, you just you don't you, you want that to be a surprise. <laughs> the cryosauna, I think, is really effective for endurance type work. It's not. I mean, it's effective for strength training as well, but not to the same extent. But the people that do a lot of endurance work like you're doing, 
if they can get into a cryosan a couple times a week, it makes quite a difference just with quelling all the inflammation, yeah. taking out yeah. all the cobwebs. Uh, you know, using a lot of the, uh, the two times you uh, compression garments have uh-huh. uh, yeah. Yeah. also very used very extensively, uh, almost on nightly basis. You know, nightly basis to uh, you know compression socks, full compression tights. Um, and then, uh, you know, the compression cap sleeves get used, uh, quite a bit to, um, maintain that lower, you know, it's, it's a recovery. And that, yeah. but I think that regardless of which strength or endurance endeavor you, you take part in, you know, everything we do, you know, and that's what, you know, that's where I look at nutrition. Um, uh, nutrition is, re- it's, it's not only just fuel for the activity, it's fuel for your recovery. Right. And the individuals who are capable of recovering from their bouts of training time in and time out are the ones that are ultimately going to excel the longest and have the greatest success. The yeah. biggest, you know, you, 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 we were talking before we got on the, on the call about, uh, you know, you're squatting on the small off program. And one of right. the things that you did was you lowered your working max down from your, your true competition max. And it comes down to why did you do that? Because of recovery. You can recover more effectively on the lower number, which allows you to progress consistently with that program longer to then ultimately be able to reap the benefits at a later date, which is the whole purpose of training, is, is benefits at a later date. And so you, through intelligent program design, you're allowing yourself to do that. Now, if you couple that with proper nutrition, both you know, just in, in your daily meals, supplementation, and then you look at massage therapy, cryotherapy, saunas, uh, compression garments, all of those attributes and all those modalities come together to allow peak performance to occur. And if you take away any one of those, your potential for injury, which is going to set you back months if not years can happen yeah and that is that is the biggest downfall i think to most in any strength athlete out there is injury and failure to recover no doubt i think one of the most overlooked components of recovery is just actual movement and what i mean by that is you do a program like the small op i mean your legs are super sore at least mine are right now you have you have the delayed soreness from the first workout and then you work out again the next day, you're squatting again, and now it's even more pronounced. And the temptation is just to sit around and relax. Oh, I'm just going to kick back. And that's probably the worst thing you can do. You know, what I did yesterday is I just grabbed my dogs, went to Red Rock, and just went hiking for a couple of miles. Get out to nature, unplug from all this technology, go get some fresh air, see some really beautiful scenery. And that has a really pronounced rejuvenating effect. I was really tired yeah. afterwards in a good way. I was just really relaxed. I was like, oh, that was great. Come back, relax. So I think what's ironic is what I've noticed with a lot of people who like working out in the gym is that they're not very active outside of the gym. Exactly. Yeah. And then you start wondering, what's the point of going to the gym? <laughs> you know, so you're going to the gym yeah. to be strong there, but you're extremely sedentary outside the gym. You're just kicking back. You're watching TV. You're sitting around as much as possible. Your body's always tight you, because you're working out hard, but then you're just sitting around, so you just tighten up. We think being yeah. in the gym so magically it, fixes all that at one time. It's just like, well, you know, there's a treadmill right there. You know, I'll, I'll have to go walking afterwards. There's a treadmill. I did a, I did a cool down on that. 
or they did it on 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 the bike or something like that. So they just feel like this is a one stop shop for everything they need, and then they can just go home and chill. They've done it all now within that hour or so in the gym. Yeah, no, it's it is it is very true. I think you hit on this is we get in this mode of that we feel that exercise and health and fitness is a building in a place. Um, mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. that oh I got to go to the gym to be healthy and you know when like you said it's like no get out to the park and move yes I'm going to build additional strength at the gym but I, I build that strength so that when I and that's what I tell a lot of my clients is is that's great you're being strong here but it's what happens when you leave here that ultimately matters I work with right. a lot of high school athletes and I have to be aware of what sport they're in because it's like all right that's great you know. That's great, your squat's going up, but is it actually helping you perform better on the field or on the court? Because that's really all that matters for them because their high school athletes right. are going to try to get college scholarships. Like, it's, it's on the field, on the court performance that matters. You know, yeah, there are correlations between squat numbers, deadlift numbers, and some strength numbers that, that relate to what goes on, but they don't have to do necessarily the power lifting legal depth on a squad or sometimes we're always on a box to make sure they're yeah. getting the depth. That's fine. I've got to make sure that they can they can jump higher vertical. And and for my volleyball players, it's not just okay, yeah, we want your max vertical to be up, but I want your your five rep vertical to be up. Because last time I checked, volleyball's not just like one jump and you're done. <laughs> right. You gotta you gotta be able to jump, move laterally, jump again, move laterally, and jump again. So I need you to be able to reach a certain height repetitively on little to no rest. That is gonna carry over to your on court performance better than just saying, Oh man, you got a two hundred you know, this girl's got a two hundred pound back slot. That's great. But does it actually carry it carry over to what she needs? Yeah, that's, and then where where where's, where's the line where it's actually counterproductive? In other words, you're taking their gym lifts to such an extreme level that they're excelling there, but now it's taking yeah. away from their sports performance. It's taking away from their recovery because often people like to take pride in, oh, I squatted so heavy on Monday, I couldn't walk all week. Like that's yeah. fine for somebody that doesn't do anything else but train, but for someone who's an athlete, you can't be in a position where you can't walk all week. You need to be yeah. able to work on your sport, your your. Precise actual sports, sports. Too. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah, nothing's more sport specific than playing your actual sport. <laughs> right. Like, or even bad. someone like a police officer. Imagine someone who's in law enforcement. You put them on a workout regimen, and you just kill them on squats. <laughs> and now this guy or this lady's in the field. Yeah, chase a perp. And they've got to <laughs> yeah, they got to chase someone down, or they got to grab <laughs> someone, but they're so sore, you know, they can't move. Well. They're not getting out of the car. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. I mean that's 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 a problem, and so you you've got to be able to bat, as as a as a uh, trainer and a, and a strength coach, you got to be able to to look at that and, and take that holistic approach with the individual. Um, and that's where I'm always asking: it's like, all right, what do you you know what other hobbies do you have other than coming to the gym for this hour a couple times a week? There's a lot of other hours. Like, what do you what 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 does your job entail? What do you have coming up? Do you have a showcase coming up? Or, like, you know, do you have a backpacking or hiking trip coming up that you need to be ready for? I got a guy that, uh, you know, he's looking at uh, January 1st of hiking Mount Washington up in New Hampshire. 
And mm-hmm. I'm going, all right, we're, that's one of the goals that we're getting him ready for. And obviously, you know, being in Ohio, we don't exactly have, you know, a different, a, you know, 4,000 feet of elevation difference anywhere in, in the state. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, so we have to use other means to train him properly for that. And then, you know, January 1st in New Hampshire, I mean, it could be negative 20. So we got to, we got to, manipulate some variables to get him ready for those stresses that he may see on that mountain. So, which is also fun. Yeah. I think, I think one thing you're really good at is you are, you're good at in your own training, you you prioritize a goal and you keep everything else on the sideline, but it's still in the program, but you're not going to be able to have it all, all the time. Meaning that you're doing the ultra marathon endurance type work now. So you're not going to be able to do that and try to set a new deadlift PR or a new squat PR. You're just going to have to put those into maintenance mode. If not, just let them decline a bit because you have to focus on one thing. And that's one thing that a lot of people have a hard time with is they want to have it all, all the time. Like, no, I want to keep, I want to improve my deadlift and then I'm going to go climb Mount Kilimanjaro. And then I want to go compete in a ultra in an Ironman competition in Hawaii. You know, how do I pursue all of these goals at the same time? And the answer simply is you can't. <laughs> you know, you have to prioritize yeah, yeah, things here. And then the, the, the thing that I think you, you want to look at, and, and the way I've looked at it in my training, is I've got to look at the anatomy and physio- physiology of the human body and what is what are the drivers for each of the individual activities and and so when i first got into the endurance you know coming from the strength background i was very strong but on the endurance side of things you know the aerobic system in you know in the body and and how aerobic exercise transpires is through red blood cells and, and the mitochondria within them and then because of the training i was doing for just pure strength attributes my mitochondria were just basically shut down and inactive. I didn't need them, and I wasn't utilizing them. And so I had to really do a lot of slow, low heart rate training to build and, and basically change my body's makeup and build cell mitochondria to be able to, for my muscles to utilize the oxygen that I was, I was breathing in and to get my heart rate to go lower and lower um, was a huge thing that I had to work on. After that, now I'm, the other thing with the endurance work is I had to work on running-wise. The impact of running is, is, is it's death by a thousand cuts because you're taking thousands of steps on a marathon run. It's the fatigue, the muscular the tendon fatigue at the end of a, of a marathon is what breaks you down, and that's where you get, you know, you get the stress fractures and those stress injuries over time, and you really have to watch out for that. And that needs to be built up gradually. And so my, my whole training now is such a long-term approach to training that I wasn't used to, like, even back in the 20s. Like you said, everything was like, I want it now. I want to be strong now. I want this now. And with the endurance work, I really had to take this like, okay, this is going to take years to build before I'm going to truly be able 
to have this training manifest itself into just spectacular performance. And that was that was a you know somewhat of a difficult pill to swallow. But looking at it now that I'm two years into this process, I'm going, man, yeah, this is really working well, which is very exciting. And you got to, yeah. but it's, it's it's a multi-year process to go from literally couch to ultra endurance athlete. You know, yeah, now it feels like, oh man, it was so easy. But man, when I look back, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here in my office, I got all the race numbers pinned up on my wall, and I'm going, yeah, you know, this process started back in 2015, you know, at the end of my brother's, you know, Ironman, when he's like, you're doing it next. And I was like, crap, I need to start this process. And, you know, I've got a bunch of, of smaller intermediate races that built to uh, where I am today. And I, I have more races coming up in the future and bigger hurdles, I feel, to accomplish even next year. But it's, it's how, long, how long did it take when you first started doing this kind of training? How long did it take until you started feeling comfortable with it? You started feeling like you were getting the gist of it, making some progress. Oh, it's I, it's I I I think all training and all programs are continual work in progress. Um, I feel like right now I've got a I've got a pretty good system going, um, managing my volume and intensity. Um, but I also know that. I've, I've cut a few, you know, now that it's getting into the fall around here, I'm not on my bike nearly as much as I was. And so I've, re, you know, so I've replaced some of the bike volume with run volume. Um, but my lifts, I feel really good about the, the volume and intensity of my strength lifts and barbell lifts in conjunction with the endurance work that I'm doing and, and that I'm able to progress everywhere for the numbers that I'm, you know, I'm progressing week in, week out, but I've lowballed my maxes on my strength lifts because I know I don't want the energy to, that I put into the strength lifts to detract from the endurance because the endurance is ultimately my my main priority. But I want to keep some strength integrity because I think it's a good thing. No doubt. Regardless, so it's yeah. I guess that's. It, a long-winded roundabout answer for it. Um, you know, I, I encourage people go to my, you know, website, journeyatstrength.com. Go to the drop-down menu for my training log, and I love it when people will question. You know, they'll read what I do, and then they'll send me questions and, and question why I choose to do a certain lift, why I chose that set rep scheme. Uh, because, you know, I do have an answer for everything that I do. You know, there's nothing in my training that is just, oh, I, you know, you know, I saw this on YouTube and it looked cool. Uh, you know, or I saw it on Instagram. No, I have a purpose for, for doing it, um, whether it's a yearly goal or, you know, just a lifetime goal uh, coming up. There's, you know, and that's one thing I, I tell everybody is like, if you if you're doing something, if you don't have a reason for doing something in your training, you know, it's like, why the hell are you doing it? You got to have a purpose. Have a purpose for everything you do. Yeah, it helps you get rid of all the non-essentials as well. I'm just looking at this small left squat program, and for those not familiar, it's a, basically a high-frequency squat program. First couple, first phase, you're squatting four times a week. And I think the mistake a lot of people make when they do this program is 
they look at the squat numbers. It's not super high volume. It's not 10 sets of 10 or anything like that. It built, but the thing is they're not, they're looking at where it starts and saying, okay, I can do a bunch right. of stuff in addition to that. They're not looking yeah. at where it's going though. It's starting gradual because you have to condition yourself for where it's going. Now, if you start adding a bunch of other stuff to it, which is completely non-essential, it's going to take away. And then when you get deeper into the program, you're going to miss out completely. And then you're going to say, oh, this program sucks. Didn't work well for me. And I see people do the same thing with the Cohen deadlift program where they go, oh, I, that program didn't work for me. I was missing numbers by week four. I go, yeah, the only reason you're missing numbers by week four is one, you calculated your one rep max way too high. You should have gone way, should it take whatever you think your one rep max is, take 85% of that and use that as your one rep max to calculate the percentages. At least that way, if you're exaggerating what your one rep max is or you're totally delusional about it, at least it'll be more in line with reality if you take a percentage of that. And then don't add anything to it. That's the other mistake I see a lot of people make. Like, oh, I'm going to do those five sets of the small up, and then I'm going to go hit leg extensions, and I'm going to go run on the <laughs> treadmill, and then I'm going to do kettlebell swings. No, it's like, no, just do that, and that's it. Maybe a few sets of upper body stuff, and get out of there. You have to remember, you're working out four days a week. You're squatting four times a week. It's not you're squatting on Monday, and then you have a whole week until you do it again. So you have to be, you have to save some energy for the next day, and then you have a day off, and then the next day after that. So just that follow the program up, exactly the way it is. Yeah, and that brings up a huge point. I think the one of the things that, that I've even done is, is I've looked at, instead of just looking, you know, we used to look at a lot of training on a singular daily basis. For a, lot, a lot of people look at that single day, and they go, oh, that's not bad. And I'm going, well, add up your weekly volume. Like, if you add up that, the, the, the squat, the volume of squats for a week on a small-off program, and compare that to the volume yeah. of squats that you would do if you were squatting once or twice a week, in in with all the leg extension, leg leg press, lunges, whatever Bulgarian split squats you want to add in, you know, you, the small off program, even though it's little, it's it's less each day, the volume for the week is greater, and oh, that's yeah. where I think that a, a lot of times, you know, again, the big thing I think we fight in society is everything's instant gratification. I want it now. I want to have the biggest legs today, so I'm going to smash myself today, and we, and we lose sight of the big picture of, hey, this you know this is a 12, 16-week program. I got to allow this this work that I'm doing today to mature over time, and then it's going to be pretty impressive as to where it it, it ends up at the end. Uh, because if I look at what I'm you know even just today's work, it you know it looks like no big deal. I'm like, okay, I came in, I did some squats, I'm going to go run like two and a half miles after work. No big deal. But if you looked at the entire week and my entire month, you'll also see that, okay, I'm running between 25 and 30 miles a week in with these squats and in with everything else. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, shit, that's a crap ton of volume on the lower body. Yeah. But if you look at what I'm what I'm gonna post today for my training log, you know, oh that's easy. I'm like, well you didn't see the twenty five miles I did two two days ago. You know, let's yeah. let's 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 take a big you know, zoom out and if you look at my entire year of of like run if we just use the example of run volume, where it started with like maybe five miles of running a week and now I've built to twenty five to thirty miles a week ultimately building the 40 to 50 miles a week by next summer to to handle 
the, a race that is going to be 50 miles in length. And, and that's one thing. That, it's interesting to see the in, endurance coaching percentages and the strength coaching percentages line up very similar in the philosophies, which has been which has made made understanding it that much easier. But the percentages of intensity and the volume done all make sense, whether it's an endurance attribute or a strength attribute. And and then it's finding that balance and recovery, like we we spoke about earlier. Yeah. Um, and so you got to you got to zoom out and look at the bigger picture understand that and then trust the program that you're on you know if if, if you're adding stuff into small off means you don't understand small off and you don't trust the program and you're That's trying right. to make it better that program's right. been around for about 50 years and it's been pretty damn good yeah your internet searches don't need to make it better like they've worked out the kinks in it already you know yeah. do the program yeah. trust the program and also understand that with that program, you're gonna you've got to let some other things slide. You're not squatting on small off and then deadlifting at the same time. Right. You you'll fry yourself. You know. Right. You're, you know you can do small off and only do small off. You're not going to do small That's off right. and then a couch to marathon run program at the same time. Like. Oh no doubt. That's you've added in additional things that aren't there. Um, and usually, so usually when someone fails on a program, that. yeah, usually when someone fails, you see that they didn't follow the program. They added in a bunch of other stuff. They're like, well, I did that. And then at the same time, concurrently, I was running this deadlift program. And then, and then I was working on this endurance program as well. So they're, they're taking three separate programs that are supposed to be done at individual times. And they're trying to synchronize all of them into the same periodization. And you're just, you're just taking three programs. And you're going to fail at all three of them at the same time, as opposed yeah. to just doing one at a time. And yeah. honestly, to me, I, I'm so burned out with the deadlift that the small lift seemed like a perfect. It's like no deadlifting for 12 weeks. I go, that sounds great yeah. to me because I'm burned yeah. out beyond burned. It's just the idea of deadlifting to me is just, it's just nauseating right now. I'm just so burned out with yeah. that lift. And squatting, and I want a good roll. You know, I'm making some yeah. good. And I've had some good. She'll be like, all right, I'm, it's ready. I, I've, I've given a boost to my squat. Now I can put my squat on maintenance mode. Right, exactly. And and sustain because we know it takes less energy to sustain a strength than it takes to build that strength. Right. So you can put that squat on maintenance, sustain your new peak, go back to some deadlifting, do a deadlift program, bring that back up. And, and with squatting and deadlifting, I look at it as your deadlift may improve by being on small off without doing any deadlifts to a point where you're going to go back, your, your deadlift will boost up. So now you're at a new peak squat and deadlift wise. You can put those on maintenance, go to another modality and be like, all right, what do I want to do? Right. Where do I want to go? As as long as you've got, you're touching on a, on a, on a little bit of them, you're going to be able to maintain that strength with a little bit of work. But if you really wanted to improve it, now you're going to have to attack it with, with greater emphasis. Yeah, you have to have a more singular, laser-like focus. Re regarding the deadlift, I've always been curious. You're a tall guy. What stance did you find worked well for you? Did you ever experiment with sumo or a wider stance? I have. Or was um, it a I'm a conventional puller. 
Um, yeah. I'm way stronger conventional. Um, you know, and it's by about a hundred pounds difference. I mean, yeah. I, you know, the conventional always fit, seemed to fit me so much better, but I've got long limbs and a shorter torso. So right. my leverages are better there. If you've got a long torso, shorter limbs, the sumo, uh, tends to, to fit in better, um, limb length for people. Um, and so I was always just the conventional puller, uh, is where I've been. And, you know, that's, that's how I pull is conventional. I just, I have not done a whole lot with the sumo and it just, uh, never, never felt right. Never felt locked yeah. in. Yeah. It feels kind of wobbly <laughs> and it doesn't feel like you, you don't feel like you're going that far when you have long limbs. It's just like, okay, what was the point? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's you know, I guess it's just yeah, for whatever you know, I was just always always conventional and that's just where it is. But you know, I've we've got clients in here that we train in sumo because that's what works best for them and um yeah. you know, again, get back to it. I'm a strength I'm a strength coach. I do what's best for the client, not just because oh I like conventional or or or, or, or sumo better. It's uh we we go with what works. So We're within the context of Conventional that you experiment with stances, in other words, really close stance yeah, versus right. shoulder width stance. My stance is, you know, I'm not a close stance conventional puller. I'm a little bit, you know, I'm right at shoulder width. Um, right. And, and, you know, some people look at it like, you know, I've got almost, you know, it's not a snatch grip, but it's, you know, I'm I'm wider than normal. But what that does is it allows me to have a very textbook hinge of shins vertical, you know, I've got the knee, hip, shoulder angles, and they're perfect. If I bring my stance in too much, I lose that. So, uh, and that was one that I I learned to widen out a little bit uh, through conversations with, with Mark Felix, who just happens to be a average, maybe a little bit better than average deadlifter. Um, so, I mean, the guy's pulled a thousand pounds over quite a few times, so and, <laughs> that's pretty pretty average. Yeah, you know, he, I, he, he may know, know a little something. About. He may know a little something. Yeah, he I mean, I can I can deadlift it. I can deadlift a thousand pounds too if you count the repetitions. You know, five hundred yeah. pounds <laughs> on rep one, five, <laughs> and rep two. You put those two reps together. Hey, it's a thousand pounds. You know, I've, <laughs> I've done a rack pull at, at, at a thousand twenty-five, but you know that was that was right after. Yeah, because I thought that would be a fun idea. Because Benedict Magnuson pulled a thousand twenty-five, and I was like, I want to feel what that feels like. And so I put the bar above my knees, loaded up. It took me, I think, three weeks to build up to it, but I was like, I pulled a thousand twenty-five. I'm above my knees, but goddamn, did that hurt? I, mean, I felt like I shrunk three inches. I was like, I don't know if I stood up or, the, or if I just embedded my feet in the floor. So, but you know, anyways. But that was, you know, through talking with him, I, I, I widened out my stance a little bit and widened out my grip, and it worked. And I got into a perfect hinge position. And now, I mean, heck, I put 225 on the bar. If I just get in position, the bar starts coming off the ground. Right. Which is a really nice right. feeling. of just, I'm not feeling like I'm applying force to the bar, and I'm getting it to move at 225. That's right. nice. So, you know, the first 225 is free weight for me, and then after that, 
you know, I'm adding to it. So, uh, and that was just, you know, it was just a little bit of a position thing. So, so yeah, definitely play around with the, the stance and, you know, an inch one way or the other can make a huge difference. Yeah, sometimes you max out a certain technique as well. So, for example, right now I'm using a, a very close stance and my grip width is fairly close as well. And I've done well with that, but I feel like I've taken that as far as I'm going to be able to take it. And for me to improve my numbers, I'm going to have to modify the technique to some extent, whether it's a slightly wider stance Maybe the grip's a little bit wider. You know, something has to change. But that's not something I'm thinking about until I'm done with this small up program. So I noticed that my squat stance, it's not super wide, but it's it's definitely way wider than my deadlift yeah. stance. And it feels really yeah. good. Bar position yeah. is not super low, but it's lower than – it's in between conventional squat and a really low bar position like some of the power lifters do. So that that works really well for me. If my stance is too close on squats, it feels really weak. If it's too wide – such as a sumo stance, it doesn't feel good either. So I think yep. there's something I can take from there, transfer over to the deadlift at some point. But who knows? I may not want to deadlift ever again. <laughs> you know, I yeah. may, may get so good at squatting. I'm like, you know what? Screw deadlifts. I'm tired of my, my CNS being just totally burned out, my back being yep. all jacked up, fed up of it. What about grip strength, Andrew? Are you still working on your – you have world-class grip strength. Is that something you're yeah, still trying to maintain? Yeah, a lot of my uh, – um, you know, I can, I can still close a number three gripper uh, any day of the week. And just for fun, every once in a while, I make sure and go up, grab, grab the number three off the wall, close it real quick. Go, okay, yep, still got that. That's good. Um, you know, I, the three five, that would take me a few, couple weeks of training to get back to, but I know I could get back to, uh, you know, a certifying standard on a, on a three point five captain's crush gripper. Um, a lot of my grip work, uh, honestly, the kettlebell sport, I, it. That was something that, uh, talking to a few other guys, uh, about training, just in conversation, you know, we really felt that the high repetition swing snatches, um, and cleans with kettlebell sport really helped develop my grip and give it a solid foundation, um, uh, that when I get back into it, yeah, I can thick bar, Grip and captain's a crush grip stays around, and that's something that. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, if you look at your hands, there's not a lot of muscle on the hands and in the forearms. Right. It's tendons and ligaments, and yeah. those take the longest to develop, and they take the and they really don't atrophy like muscles do. So as long as my brain is capable of firing my hands to squeeze, they'll hold on. And and they and they still you know when I when I get out there and do stuff you know I've still gone out and um, if I, if I go to the local school for for giving presentations you know I'm still rolling up frying pans and bending horseshoes just to get everybody's attention and yeah. you know it's it's just one of those things that nowadays you know I, I it's it's unimpressive you know it's. I'm almost kind of bored with with with, with it because I can just say, "Oh yeah, roll right in, not a problem." Here you go. You know, <laughs> there it is. <laughs> anyone was, anyone in town who needs a, a frying pan rolled up and they they know yeah, where to go so, to. <laughs> uh, you know, but when you, when, I mean, I've, I've I've rolled hundreds of them now over the years, and it's just like, yeah, it's no big deal. Everybody rolls a frying pan, right? And people just kind of look at me about <laughs> faces, and they're just like, "You're not normal." I'm like, "No, no, I'm not." I, I, <laughs> I forget that sometimes, and 
I remember when I was buying, I remember when I was getting into nail bending and I never took it too far. I was just playing around with it because some of the guys that I was hanging out with at the time within the RKC, Brett Jones and Steve Cotter, they were really getting into the nail bending. I was like, all right, let me try this out. So I went over to Lowe's and I was just looking for different nails to buy. So right there in the aisle, I'm just grabbing random nails. I'm bending them <laughs> right there in the aisle. Of course, I bought them. I didn't just put it back on there. The ones that I bended, I was like, I have to pay for. But people are just random. People are walking by. They're going, what is this guy doing? I'm just yeah. <laughs> I'm sitting there bending 10, 15 nails. Then I have to go pay for them. That was the funniest part. I'm taking them to the, the cashier. I was like, yeah, I just wanted to pay for these. You know, all these, a bag full of bent nails. Yeah, it was like, oh, what'd you do? Did you hit it wrong with the hammer? No. I <laughs> Haven't you made it that far? You know? <laughs> yeah, so it's, yeah, you get some very interesting conversations going. You know. Well, one thing I noticed about you, Andrew, is that you've never lasted too long in an organization, and I say that as a compliment because you're a very free-thinking, independent person. But I noticed that you're a guy who loves training, and I'm sure you share that your your clients – clearly pick up on your enthusiasm and you're always looking for different challenges, whether it's powerlifting, strongman competition, highland games, ultra marathon, kettlebell sport. Now, I've noticed that you'll get into an organization for a little bit, such as AKC, and then you're, you're picking up a lot of stuff. You're learning things. And then it gets to the point where the political forces start permeating on you and that takes the fun away. And then all of a sudden you're gone <laughs> you know, without, without thinking about it twice. Is there yeah. is there any kind of organization that you're part of with this whole endurance thing, or is this purely on your own? You're just competing oh, at events. I think in some ways that the endurance world is vast enough that there's not. I've not come across like an organization. You know, you know, powerlifting has got a thousand different federations that are all vying for the same people. You know, right. because it's, you know, it's powerlifting is a smaller world, um, and whereas, in in and I guess you know, the 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 politics to, of of lifting and competition, you know, comes down, you know, everybody's trying to make a buck off of everybody else at the competitions, and so they want their organization to be the premier and the best, and that's that's all well and fine, um, but when it, you know, when I look at it is. Regardless, you know, you could take kettlebell, you know, all the different federations that have sort of popped up here and there, gone in and around. Yeah. You know, a 10-minute snatch set is a 10-minute snatch set. You know, the right. numbers don't lie. You know, a, a, a four-minute mile is a four-minute mile. Like, the numbers don't lie. A bench press is a bench press. You know, yeah, you can get into the you know, gear, little things here and there, but... That's one thing I like about lifting is, is you know, the knowledge is out there. Uh, I think a lot of different, you know, a lot of different coaches have coached a lot of different world champions. There's no best, one singular best way. Nobody has the monopoly on the only way to train. Right. You know, and so you, you've got to explore the different areas. And as soon as somebody tries to tell me that my way is the best, I turn off instantly. <laughs> so, yeah. No, like, because I've got world championship ch champions over here that don't even know you. Like, so they're, they're still doing well. Maybe they've got a good way as well. Not yeah. so bad. Um, so 
I, I'm one that it's like you know I, I I like competing. I like athletes. Uh, but yeah, when you get into the oh, who's got the best? Who's got this? it's like you know let's put everybody in the same room. And that's where even you know when it got to the strength, the international competitions, you know guys want to be like oh you know I, I think the quintessential thing that, that that fired me up and and got me out of the, the political realm of, of athletics was. When I was new to it all, I, I posted some some YouTube videos initially, and then the keyboard warriors hopped on and said, "Oh, those are fake weights. That didn't happen. He's too skinny. There's no way that was." <laughs> yeah. I was just and it, and it and it pissed me off, and I was like, "Fine. Yeah, I'm only yeah. gonna I'm only gonna post videos of me at a competition where I've got certified judges, and now you can tell me it's fake in front of the competition." And so I go out, I do events, and I'm going, hey, you, you know, am I fake now? Because, you know, I, I had a lot of eyes, you know, I'm <laughs> up on stage in front of everybody, you know, tell me it's right. fake now. I'm not just in my gym lifting, um, you know, because everything's now photoshopped and in, in appearance. And I was like, dude, here, here's my numbers. You want to? Well, I mean, the thing the thing about keyboard warriors is they're like hecklers at a comedy show, right? A hundred percent of the time, they're douchebags. There's no exception yeah. to that, <laughs> you know. Have you? Have, well, is there ever? Is, has there ever been a keyboard keyboard warrior in the history of keyboard warriors who's actually a good person who's actually doing something to help anyone? <laughs> you know, never. Hundred so, percent of the time, they're just yeah, little well, I, 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 And ninety-nine percent of the time, they don't even have a traceable account. It's usually some grayed-out little face, or they have some cartoon character for their profile. They're not even so. Therefore, they're not even real people. So to argue with them is almost it's like you're arguing with an imaginary person. So you got to question yourself, how crazy am I? I'm not even dealing with a real person. If I'm out online, like all my online stuff, you know, I, 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 I'm out there as Andrew Durney. If I'm on a forum, I use my right. name. Exactly. You're not I'm using a fake name. Exactly. I'm, not, I'm not coming yeah. up with some cute, like, you know, you know 201. Some avatar. Yeah. <laughs> Power lift to seven five six, you know, like what? I mean, I mean stand by anything I say, and if I right. have an argument or, or disagreement, I'll let you know, and you're going to know it's coming from me, not you know some emoji Mickey Mouse character. Like, that's, <laughs> that's it's it's let's be real, people. I'll be real with you. You be real with me. That's fine. Like you may not agree with me. That's fine. We can have dialogue. We can we can discuss our training. And and you can look at my training and go, I think you're doing this wrong. And I'll be like, okay, that's fine. You can you can think what I'm doing is wrong, but let's have a dialogue and discuss why that is. Not right. just, oh, idiot. Why yeah. am I in it? I'm not going to I'm prim is set up the best way. Yeah, there are some things that, that can be adjusted, I'm sure of. But no doubt. Let's have, let's have a dialogue on that discussion. Not just oh you're dumb you're stupid oh, great good good job <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know and I'll, I'll no. give you my and and research on it you know I've got a uh -huh. strength there you know I, I like to I feel like I'm I'm a student of the game not just a practitioner of the game so it's it's up and down and I look you know the numbers don't lie. No, that's right. I mean, anyone who excels at anything is going to be open-minded to suggestions from people, from knowledgeable people. You're going to try different things out. I mean, so many of the improvements I've made in, every, in any lift is just from someone who's a friend of mine, who's way ahead of me, offering me some advice. 
Yeah. And I don't, I don't take it a hundred percent of the time because I'm thinking about it myself. And you know, you know your body better than pretty much anyone else. So it's, sometimes you know what's going to work for you. But like my friend Jack Reap, he's a powerlifter. He looked at my technique and he said, "Try doing this. This may work for you." He didn't say, "Oh yeah, you have to do this. This is going to work." He goes, "Try it out. Just looking at your technique, looking at your body type, this may work out for you." So I took his advice. I started a lot lighter with that advice as well. I didn't just try to set a new PR right off the bat. If you're changing your technique, you have to dial things back, work, get comfortable with it, work back up. That's the mistake a lot of people make as well. They go, oh, I tried that technique modification and I tried to max out on it. It didn't work. I go, you're not ready to max out on it. You've never even done that technique before. Give your body some time to get used to it. Get comfortable with it. Then try for a PR down the line and see whether it works or not. Well, I think it also comes into the understanding what that change is supposed to elicit. Right, and right. right. You've got to allow that change to take time and, and, and build into your body. So, But also, it's like, okay, change the technique up here. Why am I changing up the technique? All right, it, it's better suited for your leverages. Okay, so with better suited towards your leverages, yeah, you may get instant feedback. But with that instant feedback, you're going to be stressing some tendons, ligaments, and muscles in ways that weren't stressed before. So right. that, is going to, that is going to change up your recovery mode right instantly. And so you, you do need at least, and I think uh, Louis Simmons says, you know, on any exercise, even if you've done the exercise before, if you integrate a new exercise in, back into your program, it's going to take a minimum of three weeks before you can fully realize what that exercise is doing for you. So no you need to do, so, so if you make a change, any change in your program, you, it's going to take three weeks before you can even realize whether that change was effective or not. And so it, it, it's like three weeks. People can't focus for 20 minutes on something sometimes. So, <laughs> you know, you, you've got to allow some time to, for that to build in. I mean, you said the first three weeks of small off is easy. Well, yeah, it's, you, you're just set a foundation to for right. growth later, you know, and it's yeah. like everyone's like, oh, man, you know, I can, you know, you can't do a workout today and be stronger tomorrow. You can do a workout today and be stronger right. 10 to 14 days from now. That's right. But there's a recovery period of 10 to 14 days before that strength has truly manifested itself into actual strength that you can measure on that list again at a, at a, at a higher intensity. And that takes time, it takes patience. And then it takes repeatability over weeks, months, years. And then all of a sudden you can do some amazingly special things. Right. Well, I mean, that's a good point because people are too caught up in 90 day transformations. And honestly, 90 day transformations is what people were caught up with in the 90s. Now people expect results even faster than that. They want nine day transformations. <laughs> but even, even 90 days is not enough time to make a huge difference. You'll definitely make progress, which will inspire you to keep going. But you're not going to have an, a transformation where you're unrecognizable from people like, whoa, I haven't seen you in three months and you put on 50 pounds of muscle. You look completely different. That's just not going to happen. It, you got to you got to look at you got to look at it in the context of many years, and then you have to ask yourself: Do you enjoy this process? Because you're not going to last many years if you don't enjoy the process. And then when you think about it, is five years really a long time? If I told someone, "Look, you just started your business today. It's going to take five years before you make a good income, and then you can blow it up from there," that wouldn't be discouraging to me if someone said that. I'm like, "Okay, five years? 
that's not a long time. But to a lot of people that are going, five years, I want to make six figures in five months. It's like, yeah. buddy, you should be happy if you're still in business in five months. Yeah. <laughs> that should be the first goal is, you know what? My goal this year is to still be in business at the end of the year, going into the year two. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But it's, you know, we, we, you know, I can, hop, you can, you can hop on your phone right now and get, if you're willing to pay the price, you can have pretty much anything delivered to you tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's getting to the point. It's getting to the point where you didn't have to open the door for when they delivered. Now, now Amazon's got it. Amazon has it where they can just walk into your house and drop things off. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Good that sounds like a great idea. <laughs> yeah, great, Amazon. <laughs> come on, yeah, come on. I hope they got good workers comp. <laughs> Especially in Texas. Good luck with that. <laughs> we'll drop your package off and take everything else. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> a nice even exchange. Here you go. <laughs> I'm going to drop that package off, then we're going to film a pornography in your house. How about that? You know? <laughs> UPS driver drops, like ding, ding, ding. <laughs> exactly. Pretty you come home, there's a whole camera crew in your house. It's like, oh, we'll be wrapped up in a minute. <laughs> the whole premise sounds like a scene from a porn. It's just like the yeah, yeah, guy dropped. Exactly. He, just come, he just walks in and drops off a pack. I got your package right here, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> No, but we have this one, one thing also. We, we're such an addicted society to, to technology that we get these payoffs for no effort, right? People get a little ding exactly. on their phone. They get that dopamine receptor payoff. I mean, it's to the point, and I, I've said this many times on the show, where you go to a concert, and when I go to a concert, I want to unplug from everything else I do. I don't, I'm not looking at my phone. I don't want to think about my business, my workouts. I don't want to think about any of that. I want to enjoy an evening out. But I feel like I'm the only one sometimes. Everyone else has got their phone on, and that they're filming the whole. Con- I was like, "Why are you filming the entire concert? What are you going to do with that? You're going to go home and watch it. You're doing it right now. Just watch it live. You don't have to go home and watch it." Remember when that was illegal, man? Even do that? It's like, yeah, 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 exactly. That was called bootlegging back in the day. At least, at least I feel better now that I'm not the only person in America that feels the same way. I'm like, no, no, live show. I don't want to see it later. Smaller. It's right here. <laughs> exactly. I don't want to watch it through my phone. I want to watch it live with my eyes. That's why. And it's I even went. worse. It's even worse when you're in the nosebleed seat. Somebody's recording. Like, dude, you don't, you're the last person <laughs> that should be recording this show right now. It's basically yeah. there's a blue spot right there. I'm like, come on. Like seriously. <laughs> Put the phone away and watch what's going on in front of you. Like, right. Ah. Well, even the performers, the performers will say that it's really irritating for them when they're up on stage looking out and all they see is just a thousand phones well, in their face. Well, that's why, you know, now you've got, you know, Chris Rock and Dave Chappelle. It's like when you go to their show, you got to drop your phone off before you even go inside the building, before you even go inside the show. So, yeah, you yeah. can't even take a phone in there. So, so because you know, again, like Bill Burr and all those guys talk about, it, like this to the point where these comedians would do a routine, and you know, it's not even going to be funny in the next city because some right. idiot recorded the whole show and posted it yeah. on YouTube. So, yeah. you know, they, and then Dave Chappelle was the first one to say, "Hey, no, no, no phones, drop them off. Here you go, check them in." And then Chris Rock picked up on it. And now everyone's starting to go that way now. So pretty soon it's going to be the same way with these concerts, you know? Yeah, you yeah. just stick yeah. in a yeah. blue of. A, a, like a field of blue the entire time, man, like a bunch of fireflies yeah. or whatever else. So I'm like, look, man, if you want to, like, sway with your light side to side while they're singing a slow song, uh, there's this thing called a lighter. That's how they did it. That's how your grandparents and your mom did it. In fact, that's how you got into this world. You know, it was, the whole, it was, it was doing an intermission while they were doing the lighter side to side is when you were conceived. Let's get back to that. <laughs> oh, craziness. 
Well, I mean, it's right there with our workouts now. It's just like, you know, the only way you can prove that you did a certain program is like you had to sit there and film the entire workout. <laughs> and so, and then, or post it live, you know, go on YouTube or Instagram live or Snapchat while you're doing your workout routine. It's like, dude, yep. you're, no one's buying your DVD here. <laughs> this live free DVD that you're giving us right now. Like, so, <laughs> no, man, <laughs> so, yes, it's, well, your workout now takes an hour and a half because you spent 30 minutes sticking around. Get the perfect lighting. You got to get the perfect lighting, Andrew. Come on, man. I don't want to show my bad side. You know, come on. That's what the cellulite is on that side. I got to go on this side. This is, this is, this is from dudes. Okay. Dudes now. It's like, hey, hey, cover up my butt back. You know, that's when your upper back is so fat that if there's a the, 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 line, the line in between, you know, is so pronounced that you know, the butt crack. back. <laughs> Is that back crack? What is that? It helps hold the bar in place for my squats. <laughs> oh. No, but that's, no, but that's well, I often I feel that a lot of experiences. Right people, it's just like it's like you know you, you spend so much time messing around with all the things that don't matter. And right. Have, right. At the end of the day, it's get under the bar. You know, right. Do work. Right. And the reward is the workout, no matter who sees it. It's for you. The re the reward is for you. The accomplishment is for you. That's what matters. Is it meaningful to you? I think so many people, not just within the context of working out, but just in life in general with experiences, they don't want to experience it unless they can post about it on social media and get attention from others. It's like, oh, here's me in in Ireland at this monument. You know, here's me in Scotland doing this. Now, would you do those things if you couldn't post about it? And the answer for a lot of people is emphatically no. Like every time someone goes out, they have to take a picture of whoever they're with and post that. Why? Why do you have to document it? Just go do the experience. Yeah. yeah. With that, I'll be tweeting right now, uh, you know, great podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on the show right now. Mike just talked about the small off program. <laughs> There's a picture of Andrew just sitting in front of his computer talking to it. <laughs> and, I, and I've seen people do that. Like on the so-and-so podcast right now, they're in their room on their computer. You know, they just take a picture of themselves talking to the computer. It's like, yeah, but where are the, where are the actual guys interviewing you? <laughs> it's yeah. like you can, anyone could have posted that. <laughs> but, of course, somebody's going to say, well, man, they're helping promote your show. I'm like, you know, most people don't care. You know, when they look at those pictures, they're like, oh, they'll just hit like and scroll to the next thing so they can like That's that right. and like that and like that. They're over in, like, less than a second. So it's not even that much of an impact. So Yeah, I'm, I'm actually doing an experiment right now where I'm just taking 30 days, no social media, no posting on Facebook, no posting on Twitter. Not that I use it that much to start with. I just don't want to even be on there. I don't want to see what other people are posting. I don't want to right. see all these moronic political debates. I don't want to see any of it for 30 days because it has no positive impact on my life whatsoever. And then after yeah. 30 days, I'm going to decide whether I need to have it at all. Is it actually yeah. useful for my business? We'll see. We'll see how my business is affected by me not promoting anything on there. Yeah, and if the answer is that it's barely affected, then why do I need to be on there at all? Because I don't care about yeah. posting whatever I'm doing. I don't need to go to a concert and tell people about it. Why do I want people to know where I'm at anyway? <laughs> yeah. So, hey, guys, I'm going to be here at this time. In case you want to <laughs> all right, let's go. Let's go to his house and rob him now. <laughs> <You know>? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was easy. <laughs> <laughs> so what's what's up next now, Andrew? Like, what do you got coming up? Like, next up? Oh uh, well, let's see. This weekend, I've got a I've got a marathon this weekend coming up. 
And then uh, I've got two more yearly goals that I need to check off. Uh, we Everybody here at the gym tries to set three yearly goals. Uh, my first one was finishing the Ironman Boulder, which I did. Uh, next up, I'm trying to um, shooting for a 2,000-meter row on the, on the Concept 2 Erg, and I want to get under 620 for a 2,000-meter row for – not sure if anybody knows exactly what that is or how challenging that is, but no, I'm, uh, si- I'm sitting there like, oh wow. <laughs> yeah, so for anybody that's doing that. concept, getting under seven minutes is a, is a pretty good standard. Uh, if you get under six thirty, you're doing well. If under six twenty, you know that's uh, where D1 rowing programs start looking at you. So uh, that's my goal is to get under six twenty. So you know I'm. Routinely, I, I'm in the, the 6:30-ish range. I was under 6:30, 6:27 last year, and I was like, "Well, let's see if I can get that under 6:20 this year." So it's a it's a miserable. Uh, well, it's, it's really only the last minute and a half that's absolutely god awful. Uh, the first <laughs> four or five minutes aren't so bad, um, yeah. and then the uh, the last goal for the year is the uh, 80 reps long cycle with 24 kg bells. So uh, that one hopefully should be happening here probably before Thanksgiving, and then I've got a month. Have you have somewhere. you done that before? You're in the is, that, is, is that a yeah, number you've done before? Done before. Yeah. Um, but this is just the the return, and it was sort of one of those goals that I was like, you know what? That's in conjunction with the strength endurance attributes that right. I'm going for. Right. So it felt like, all right, yeah, let's get back to that point that I was at at one time before. <laughs> You know, I used to be able to do that without any problem. Now, yeah, I've got to train myself back up to that point uh, yeah. with those with those bells. So, which has been fun. Yeah, it's sort of that. I think, I think it would be. I think it would be um, interesting. Oh, go ahead, sir. No, I was saying, are you going to do that at Worlds coming up in the next couple of weeks? Oh, um, no, I'm not. I've got uh, one of my clients is going to be there up in Novi. Mm-hmm. Um, I looked at possibly showing up and. Uh, you know, at the same time, you know, looking at the dates and going, man, yeah. I made drive. It's it's not that far of a drive where I'm like, I may just want to drive up there and see everybody, uh, and just hang out because it's been a while since I've seen everybody in the in, in the kettlebell world. So, uh, you know, it'd be nice to to reconnect and have you know just hang out with everybody again. So there's a, there's a chance you might you may see me in Novi. <laughs> Sneak in uh, incognito. So let's see what happens. Cool. Well, since not going to see you, he's not going to be there. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm kind of like you now. It's like if it's not like a drive away, I'm probably not going to be there. So probably my best bet, if any, if I were to go to any kettlebell competitions, it would probably be like in Austin or Dallas, driving up yep. there and, you know, just kind of checking those guys out. Uh, you know, BJ, you know, up in Dallas or Aaron down in Austin. But um, otherwise, man, if it's not drivable, you know, I'm probably not going to be there. And, you know, usually the only time I would even consider then is like, you know, when there's just certain people, I got certain friends who are still like still, you know, putting in work and, you know, and competing. And I just go there and cheer them on, especially like my boy Claude. He comes in from Louisiana, whatever, you know, he's making that drive. You know, I hate to see him like kind of going there by himself. So it's kind of good. You know, he's a we were teammates with Ken's team. So we're going to always be teammates. So I'll go and cheer him on, coach, him, you know, help coach him. And that's about it. But other than that, man, it's just kind of like, yeah, it's not drivable. <laughs> and there's something else going on around that time. So 
got to be very justified at this point because, hey, man, these going to these competitions can get expensive, whether yes. you're competing or not, you know, because it's a, it's a travel expense. So and yep. gas is not cheap. <laughs> so, so, yeah, man. Yeah, so after that, you know, that's pretty much, you know, I've got some, some crazy ultra endurance events I'll do next year. Uh, signed up for a triple T. It's four triathlons in three days. Uh, that'll be early June. And wow. then uh, be out in the. Uh, <laughs> That's no joke. <laughs> I was like, I don't think anyone was paying attention. You're like, okay, say that. Whoa, did he just say what he, I thought he said? Yeah, he just said it so casually, like, eh, just three days. Yeah, you know. Well, it's. It's a lightning. Freaks, uh, the, the, uh, the, the scary events are casual nowadays. Like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to. It'd be, it'd be interesting if you bring all these different skill sets you've developed individually together at some point where, let's say, down the line, you're so comfortable with this endurance work that you can still progress there. At the same time, you bring your deadlift back up to 600 pounds. You bring your squat back up to 500 pounds, and you're doing the kettlebell sports stuff. And that, that would be really interesting because that, that to me is super impressive where yeah, so you're at such a high level at so many different things. Yeah. yeah so you're right. really strong. Your endurance is incredible. Your strength endurance with kettlebells is, is excellent. That's like super feet, superhuman feet of athleticism. Yeah. And at that point, that's when they have them in Creed 7. So instead of the Russian, they're going to have the, the Ohioan. <laughs> and that's where it's, it's, it's been fun taking, you know, when I, when I truly started, I feel like I was making the most progress was when I stepped back and I took that longer approach. And I was, and I, I came to terms with, okay, I'm not trying to be strong in six to eight weeks. I'm not trying to be strong in 12 to 16 weeks. I'm trying to be strong and enduring in like three to five years. And when I started taking like that lengthy approach, all of a sudden, like the weeks and the months of training got more manageable where I, it was like, all right, I don't have to hit a PR every week, but I can hit a PR every other week and I'm still making progress and I'm still moving forward. I'm not hurt. I can get up every day. I can still train consistently, but I, but it, it's it's just taking that longer, slower approach, and damned if it ain't working. And then when I go to competitions and I talk to you know those those you know there's always those that that old guard at a competition that just like everybody looks at it and goes, damn, how are you still doing this at fifty? <laughs> and you right. look you look at their training, and it is the basic, most simplest thing. But they've been doing it for 30 years. It's not like some new age complicated stuff. It's just, yeah, I do two weeks of, of three sets of ten, then I do two weeks of four by eight, and then I, and they just repeat that cycle for 30 years. Right. And they're the strongest dudes around, and everybody's going, "How do you do it?" And it's like, well, 30 years, and I haven't been hurt. That's how I did it. Yeah. Yeah. You look, you look at anything that's non-essential, it has to go. So when you're looking at it, I always look at a training program and I go, what's essential? Okay, that has to be focused on. Now, anything that is not essential shouldn't be in the program. Now, sometimes you're going to feel like it wasn't even a workout because you're in and out so fast. But that's yeah. a good sign as opposed to you're wiped out after every workout because you tried to do too many, so many different things. So many people are attached to that feeling of being yeah. wiped out. 
Like they don't feel like it's a good workout unless they leave going, oh, man, right. I'm wiped well, out. Like I said at the beginning, get rid of your thoughts and feelings. You know, yeah, feelings right, exactly. don't matter. Stop feeling the workout and start to understand the science behind the workout and the why of the workout. You'll go so much farther instead of, oh, I want to feel like I had a, I had my ass kicked. Dude, I can here. I'll, I'll beat you with a baseball bat, and you'll have your ass. <laughs> but it ain't gonna be better, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. I, I tell people the same thing with blood work, you know, hormone optimization type stuff. You're looking at people's lab work. I go, the lab work doesn't lie. So you can say, oh, I feel great right now. I feel good. I think everything's great. And then you get the lab work done, and it's completely opposite. It's not good. Yeah. You know, you're in a, you're in a state of insulin resistance. Your lipids aren't good. Your hormones are in a depleted state because the lab work doesn't lie. Now, when you have that information, though, you know what to improve on. So it's also very empowering. Like, okay, here are the things I need to improve upon. So let me put together a plan. Let's retest in a couple of months and see if I'm doing things right. And then when you see that things are turning around, that's really empowering as well. It's like, wow, this stuff is actually working. What I'm doing is actually working, changing my diet, my sleep, my modifying my training to having a very positive impact on my endocrinology. Otherwise, it's guesswork. So in the context of training, like you said, like, well, I'm wiped out after every workout. Now, if you look at your training log and you're not making any progress, then you're wasting your time. Not only are you wasting your time, you're, you're, you're wasting a lot of effort as well. You're not progressing. What's the point of being wiped out all the time if it's not leading to something fruitful? You're not getting stronger. You're not getting more fit. You're not getting healthier. Yeah, I mean, that's... But, and that's just it. It's, it's like, oh, I like that feeling of, of being sore. It's like, oh, well, right. maybe that's what you want is just to be sore all the time, but don't complain to me that you're not getting <laughs> your performance that sucks. Yeah, and so it's, you know, you got to tell people, keep your eyes on the prize. What are we, what are we really doing here? What do you want? Why, you know, it's the first thing I ask anybody that walks in the gym, why are you here? What right. do you want to accomplish? Because if I don't know what you want to accomplish, then I'm just, you know, I'm spitting in the wind. It ain't, it's right. not going to do a damn bit of good. So you, you've got to, you know, really look at it. And, and then, un, and yeah, it's the science. It's knowing your laps, understanding what those numbers mean so that we can then take the training, take our diet, manipulate those to elicit a response in the numbers. That's, you know, right. that's where the science, and that's where we study this, at end and always looking at new research to better understand the manipulation of the variables, whether it's nutrients or exercise prescription, to get the response that we want out of the body for the positive performance metrics that the individual has stated. And you know, that's what we do. It's not just some hocus pocus. It's like, you know, now, I tell you, it's like you come for me to me asking for advice. So I give you the advice, and you don't like it. I'm like, it's not my fault when you don't follow it and it doesn't work. Like, <laughs> I'll give. Which we we research this stuff. You, you ask for my professional opinion. I will give you my professional opinion. But you know, you know, a two second web search, and they'll find something that contradicts everything, and that sounds better to them. So. Yeah, sometimes people just want you to confirm what they're already doing. So they're yeah. coming to you under the guise of advice, but they yeah. just want you to repeat what they're already doing. Yeah. Like, well, why are you coming to me for advice then? Just keep doing what you're doing. 
if you don't want to change anything, just keep doing what you're doing. Now, Andrew, you run a facility in Worcester. Are you taking on new clients now? Yeah. Um, it's, uh, we've got, like I said, we've got uh, my, myself or my assistant, Brandon, uh, have, have some available space. So if you're in the area, contact me. Come on in. Um, uh, don't do a whole lot of distance training, but, uh, you know, depending on the individuals, you know, like I said, still contact me and we can work something out and, and look at what your training is and, and how we can better optimize it for, for your goals. Um, like I said, I've got a lot of experience in a lot of different areas. Oh, yeah. uh, from the Highland Games, uh, powerlifting, strongman, grip sport, um, and now the endurance world that uh, I can draw on from personal experience and then just the experience of others that I've met along the way. Um, that uh, if you have if you have questions, reach out, contact me, and uh, we'll see what we can't do to optimize your performance. Sounds good. It's journeyatstrength.com, right? That's your website? Correct. And you're on, you're, on, you're on Twitter, Instagram. Do you, you use any of the social media? On all the, the social media horror sites. Uh, all right. Sounds good. Well, hey, man, great having you on the show. Keep up the keep up the great work. Look forward Absolutely. to reconnecting down the line. We'll see where you're at. Absolutely looking forward to it. Thanks for the talk. Right, Thanks man. a lot, Andrew. Thanks a lot. You have a great day. Great information. Yeah, I always, I always like talking to Andrew because that guy is always progressing. You're not going to talk to him, let's say, today, and then a couple of years from now you, you have another conversation and nothing has changed. There's always something <laughs> right. he's working on. Like I didn't realize he made this pivot into the serious endurance yeah. world. So that's yeah, really interesting. Like I said, to see yeah, where I've been seeing it for the past year or so on um, Instagram. Just like, oh, wow. And then I just saw how serious it started to get. I was like, oh, okay. I started seeing less, I started seeing less pictures from the weight room and started seeing more, you know, hey, just finish this long race or this marathon. I was like, okay. I said, this dude here, man. <laughs> it's just like, it's always just something, you know, something different. And whatever he decides that he's going to do, he finds a way to conquer it. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's what's yeah. more impressive. Really interesting. Well, also, I think sometimes, a guy like Andrew who excels so well in one arena, let's say you're lifting heavy weights and you're doing really well there, sometimes you unconsciously get attracted to something totally different, such as the endurance work, because your body needs a break. You're not even thinking about it from that point of view, but you're, you're going, man, the, that looks really challenging. I want to try that. But also the unconscious benefit is that your body is beat up from all the heavy weight training. Yeah. And you get to give it a break by pivoting it, pivoting into something completely different. That's why this small left squat program, I mean, I've known about this program for a while. I've wanted to do it for a while, but I was focused on this, on a deadlift goal. I was pursuing that and I was squatting once a week as well. So I wanted to try to balance the two, but it just recently I've just gotten burned out with the deadlift. I've been working on it hard for years and I go, I need a break from this. And then I just remember that program. I go, you know what? Now is a perfect time to do that program because my squat technique is pretty good. I know it works well for me now. I feel pretty confident with it. And here's a program where you're going to be squatting four times a week. So you have to make that the focus. Everything else just becomes supplemental. And the idea of that is really appealing right now. And so far, so good. So it'll, it'll be interesting, interesting to see what I think about this program at the very end of it. But it's funny, whenever I bring it up to someone, they're always like, oh, God, that program's terrible. You're going to hate it. 
And I was like, all right. And then when you, when you probe further, <laughs> you always that'll, realize that'll make that. You want, that'll make you want to do it even more. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. It's like, you may hate it. Like, oh, it's so much work. I was like, yeah, I don't mind the work, man. That, if that's what you hate about it, then you know, that's, that's not a problem. I've got time on my hands. I have time to go work out four times a week. I actually like squatting. And I looked at the numbers. So I was like, yeah, there's a good amount of volume. I can see where this is going to get harder, which is why, as, like we were saying when we were recording with Andrew, is that I made... I made the conscious effort to use a very conservative number to calculate my percentages, which I guarantee you all the people who hated it didn't do that. If anything, they probably exaggerated what their one rep max is. So like, well, I think I can squat around 550 right now. It's like, have you ever done it? No. And, and have you done anything close to that recently? Mm-hmm. Or they do the first workout and they go, oh, that was too easy. So then they just recalculate all the percentages. <laughs> You're not or, even done with the first like the, week. You're already recalculating everything. Yeah, they already think that the psychological advantage is like, okay, here's my, okay, here's the one rep max that I want to achieve. So if I bump my, if I bump my current one up a little bit closer to that one, I won't have to do this program as long to get to that number that I want to achieve. So, and I'm like, that's so flawed. It's just not going to work that way. In fact, you're going to, yeah. it's going to take so much longer and then it's going to take so, so long that you're not even going to make it to that number or getting where close to that number. Then you're going to get frustrated. Right. So, right. Are you going to get injured because you're using way too much? You're doing way too much too soon. I mean, if you're squatting four times a week, you want to stay within your limits and get the practice in. You don't want it to be so heavy that you're compromising technique just to complete those. Well, I was just about to say that. Which is a common Instead of making the program all about trying to achieve a certain numerical goal, also use that time to really dial in your technique. Yeah. <laughs> Hell, even even discover some new things about technique that you hadn't even put into place. It's like, oh, now because you're taking your time with this, you can become a lot more efficient. Right. That's right. Yeah. What's the hurry? Yeah. Now, what's where the are you hurry? Going? What are you What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like, geez, are you, are you getting paid? Like getting uh, taken care of by a certain time? It's like, come on, man. <laughs> you expect is to lose your, your legs? Is your house going to be? Yeah. Is your house going to be overrun by warlords if you don't achieve this goal? In the twelve big time frame. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so yeah, man. And my my goal also was is I I want to stay within my parameters so I actually complete this program. I don't want to be like these people who complained about it, going, oh yeah, by week five I had to stop. I was just I was just missing too many sets. I go, you know what? I've never done this program before, but I've done a lot of other programs, and I've heard that kind of response about those programs too. And a hundred percent of the time, it's because people just calculated what they thought their one rep max was way too high. And then they marked the use percentages based on a fictitious one rep max. Of course, you're going to fail. You're setting, you set yourself up to fail. Exactly. Like this is based on what? <laughs> oh, I'm, like Andrew saying, like, Oh, back on those feelings again. Like, Oh, I feel I can do this. I'm like, okay. I mean, there's no telling how messed up you can get if you're just basing you're training on feelings. You know, you, you might have five gym memberships at that point. <laughs> you know, I mean, you're working out three times a day and you're not even competing in anything. It's like, well, what are you doing, man? <laughs> <You know? laughs> oh, feelings. <laughs> so yeah, man. <clears throat> but yeah, definitely good stuff, Andrew, folks. So make sure you check out his website, Derniat Strength. And um, it's, it's cool that he's still, you know, he's still running that um, that blogger. Which is pretty much his training log. You know, I've, I've looked at that 
over quite a few times over the years, you know, so he yeah. still maintains that. So even that right there says a lot just about training discipline. The fact that oh, you're yeah. still posting, you, you know, you're still utilizing a training log on a daily basis, no matter what you're doing. And like I said, as long as I've known him, he's had that thing. I mean, first of all, it's a blogger. I mean, it's, a, it's on Blogspot. That goes to tell you how long he's been doing that. <laughs> you, <Right>. know? <laughs> you know, so that right there says a lot, <laughs> you know. But again, hey, yeah, that, that, that's the that's the equivalent of you're still maintaining a MySpace page. Exactly, and somebody, and, it's, and anytime you send a message, it goes to your AOL account, <laughs> <laughs> which you which you connect to with dial up. You know? Exactly. <laughs> oh man, well, cool man. Yeah, we can we can wrap it up right there, folks. You know the deal. Go support the show. Use that coupon code LLA. Get ten percent off all the different products and services on our respective websites. And don't forget about that DVD offer. Go put up a good review, a couple sentences about why you like the show, three of your favorite guests, why people should listen to the show. Send me a screenshot of that. Give me your address, your physical address. And I'll, if you're one of the first, well, we'll make it 20 people. The first, the next 20 people to take advantage of this, I'll send out a free copy of that video, Mark Bellopi's Mastering the Power Exercises. And if you've already given a review before, that's you can still take advantage of this offer. Put up another review. Maybe you haven't given a review since the first year. So put up another review. Talk about why you like the show. Three recommended guests. Send me your address and we'll set it up. I want to see those numbers go up. You know, we're putting out so many good episodes. I want to see that. I want to, I want to get up to 300 reviews. So let's get it done. And then also don't forget about, you know, becoming a Patreon member as well. Go to patreon.com slash LLA podcast. Become a premium episode subscriber. And, you know, get some more in-depth shows over there. I mean, they're pretty much right until the point. And like I said, people are enjoying those. They're enjoying those. The numbers are increasing. And also those pledges are increasing as well. You know, people are constantly getting the Patreon bump where, you know, they may have come in at the $5 level and they've increased it to 10 15 Hell, some people have come in now at 50 a month. You know, that's how much they truly support the show and really like the, the content that we're putting out over there. So you can do the same. Again, patreon.com slash LLA podcast. There are different tier levels to come in to subscribe every month. Find one that works for you and um, yeah, get privy to those episodes as well, folks. All right, folks, catch you on the next episode. Take care, everybody.